Um, so um, there's great value in hearing things multiple times and in different ways. Um, so today, as I talk about prayer, of course, invite you to consider what the Lord's saying to you personally, um, what he's inviting you to receive, how he's speaking to your heart and encouraging you and inviting you um, to grow in relationship with him. But also as, um, as those who are called to be formators, to, to serve others, um, to notice what you may be receiving for the sake of another. And so how you can utilize um, and translate this into your own mission and ministry. Okay, so um, to be kind of considering both of those aspects. And as we begin, um, we're going to go back to um, our Holy Father, our former Holy Father, Pope Benedict. Um, and he, um, there's just a book that was um, just published, um, his last testament, and it's an interview, um, and it's really, really good. Um, so if you have the opportunity to to find that and um, read it. It's really beautiful. He shares a lot about um, his whole life and has all sorts of surprising details um, about why he resigned when he did and experiences when he was a young priest in Germany and all sorts of things. So it's a really beautiful invitation um, to kind of know his heart. Um, and we'll be using him and um, Francis today as we go. So as we begin this morning looking at prayer, um, he gives us this beautiful um, quote that's at the top of your page with um, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. It's way at the top. For a Christian, therefore, to pray is not to evade reality and the responsibilities it brings, but rather to fully assume them, trusting in the faithful and inexhaustible love of the Lord. And I think sometimes there's this subtle assumption that um, prayer is like some nice idea, but then we really have to do what we need to do, okay? And um, the Holy Father is really inviting us to, to dismiss that idea and recognize that prayer, in fact, invites us into the whole reality. Because if we just pray over here and then do what we're supposed to do over here, that's not reality, God is actually part of and infused in over here. He really is present in, in those details, in those responsibilities, those duties um, of our daily life. And so um, we don't want these to be two separate realities. I'm going to go pray. And um, we're not like um, squirrels getting nuts and collecting them for the whole winter, okay? Um, we don't want to have this mentality of, of collecting and um, being filled up and then going off. And then um, we're certainly called to recall that maybe we haven't paid attention and we need to, to go back to the source. But actually, God wants us to stay there. He wants us to stay in relationship, in communion, in the source. Okay? And so... An image that we want, we can begin with, um, instead of thinking of ourselves as squirrels who are collecting nuts for the winter, or, um, or sort of the, 
going to the gas station and getting filled up and then going until we're empty and then going back again. Um, to think of ourselves as children in the womb attached to our source of food and oxygen and life by the umbilical cord, okay? And it's really, really bad and dangerous for us if we are not attached to our source of life. It's dangerous. We actually die. And that's true. Okay. It says in scripture that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy in John chapter 10. He doesn't want to give us a bad day or make us kind of cranky or a little rough. He really is howling about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so we want to stay attached to our source of life and him who protects us in everything. Okay? And it really is a matter of life and death. In Deuteronomy, there's this proposal of Moses to the people. I set before you, he gives us this invitation from the Lord, the choice between life and death. Okay? To choose life. And to choose life is to choose to stay with the Lord all day long in everything. And maybe that sounds really hard because we've experienced failing miserably over and over and over again. But in fact, um, the Lord wants to do all the work for us. We just have to learn how to let him. Okay? So this morning we're just going to talk about what that might look like. Okay. Um, I gave you this handout um, that's really kind of for... <clears throat> For a reference and um, a, and a tool, um, a lot of this content on prayer that I'm going to teach this morning is from the Institute for Priestly Formation, um, and we teach it to priests and seminarians primarily. That's their mission. Um, but it's been um, I've been using it for about ten years for work with the laity too, and it's just a really beautiful um, resource. Um, and have received a lot from, from it in my own life. Um, when I was in college, um, I was starting to get involved in helping with youth ministry. And so um, I was starting work in a parish. And um, somebody told me I should find a spiritual director. And I didn't know what a spiritual director was. I had no idea. But... Um, they said, well, usually priests are spiritual directors. Sometimes there's other people. So I just asked the first priest that I saw if he would be my spiritual director. And um, God was providing for me a lot in that. But So the first priest um, that I talked to as I was looking for a spiritual director was Father Scott Trainer. He's a priest of the Sioux Falls Diocese. Any of you know him? Um, apparently some people do. So, um, so he had just been ordained. And so... He told me he needed to ask permission from his spiritual director, um, who he did, and um, said that, that he thought that would be fine. Um, so he took me on, and he said, here's the deal, though. You have to pray a half hour a day. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for a half hour a day? That's a long time. I don't have a half hour a day. I'm an RA, and I'm a full-time college student, and I'm working in a parish. But Father Scott is six and a half feet tall. <laughs> and I was kind of scared that I'd have to go meet 
tell him that I didn't pray. So out of fear of telling him that I hadn't prayed, I started praying half hour a day and changed my life in the most radical way. And I actually had more time than I had before, even though I was spending a half hour in prayer. And to this day, I'm not really sure how I functioned before without that consistent daily prayer. And for a long time, I've been inviting people that I meet and talk to about prayer to make the same commitment, to say yes to that half hour. And as I started working with moms, we have a summer camp for girls, and um, so we encounter a lot of young mothers with um, kids all over the place and lots of responsibilities. Um, moms are the busiest people in the universe. Not the President of the United States, not anybody, moms. Okay. I thought, I can't ask them to pray half hour a day. And then I thought, hmm, okay, Jesus, is this true? Well, I had more time than less time. And what is the invitation? The invitation is to be more intimately and fully connected with a source of life, to grow in intimacy and communion with the Trinity. I can ask them to pray a half hour a day. I have to. Everyone can pray a half hour a day. Some people need to ask others for help. At camp, we've got 60 little girls all over the place. And there's always something to do. There's always meal prep or next activity prep or somebody to put a band-aid on or um, somebody to call back or the lawn to mow or something or something or something. And we have to help each other sometimes and say, hey, have you gotten to pray today? Have you gotten to disappear for a little while? And we take over and help each other. Spouses need to do this too very often. The world is not going to end. It feels like it sometimes if we go for a half hour. It might, your house might become a total disaster. But the world will not end. There's a beautiful story about Pope John Paul II who was on a plane praying and something big and tragic happened in the world. <clears throat> and someone came and alerted him to it in the middle of his prayer time. And he says, is it really, really that bad? And he said, yes, Holy Father, you need to come. And he says, no, then I need to stay here. And I often think of that story when I'm 
feeling pulled to not go pray and do whatever I feel like is my responsibility to do. And I think, really? Am I really more important than the Holy Father? God can take care of it. He will take care of me, and he will take care of all of the other people around me. If we believe that what we have to receive from him is really the only thing that really matters. And everything else is ordered to the one thing that Jesus recognized in Mary, the sister of Martha, the one thing that really matters. And so this morning we're going to talk about some tools to help us to, to stay there and let that time of prayer not be this isolated moment, but so that it overflows into every moment of our daily life and becomes the way we live. Okay. That we can always stay connected and with the Lord who is always with us. So as we look in our heart, and we've already been paying attention to this this weekend, you already do this, you already know these things, um, but we find these different movements that we have thoughts, feelings, and desires. If you find something else in, my, in your heart, let me know. We'll add it to the list, but that's a pretty, we're, we're going to find a thought, a feeling, or a desire. Okay? And we all have all of them. Okay. Sometimes it's hard to notice one thing or the other. How many of you think you have more awareness of your thoughts that what you are thinking is what you're most aware of. Thoughts. Okay. How about feelings? Okay. And desires. Okay. This is important to notice um, because thoughts, feelings, and desires travel with each other. Okay. I can have 27 feelings without knowing what I necessarily think about anything. And I need to stop and pause and pay attention to the thoughts and the desires that are accompanying these. Okay, so we all have thoughts, feelings, and desires, but we tend to be naturally more aware of one or two than the other. And so we have to notice, okay, to take the time to pay attention. And we can't give ourselves to the Lord and we can't give ourselves to other people if we don't know what's going on. Okay, this is why everybody says, when they're asked how they're doing, they say fine, because they don't know. <laughs> they're not paying attention. How are you? I'm fine. Okay? There's no feeling as fine, really. Okay? How are you doing? What are you thinking? How do you feel? What do you want? This awareness is essential if we're going to enter into a relationship. A relationship with people or a relationship with God. Same dynamics. Okay. Now, we know some thoughts and feelings and desires have more weight than others. Our desire for ice cream and our desire for the kingdom of heaven are not exactly the same. Okay. And so... That nuance is going to become important as we talk a little more. But there's nothing 
unimportant to the Lord. So noticing superficial, seemingly unimportant thoughts, feelings, and desires is really important. Okay? This is important data for prayer and for our relationships. Some of those thoughts, feelings, and desires are kind of passing. They don't have a huge impact on how we make decisions. You don't want to make major life decisions based on how you feel about ice cream today. But we do make major life decisions on things like if we feel loved, if we have a sense of trust and security. So even though God cares about every single movement of our heart, those thoughts, feelings, and desires that lead us to God or that pull us away from God, discouragement, hopelessness, he can't fix this, it doesn't matter anyway, those are particularly important, and I'm going to talk about those, and St. Ignatius talks about those, as spiritual movements. So those thoughts, feelings, and desires that move us to God or away from God are specifically spiritual And so this worksheet is a tool that can be helpful for you. It can be helpful when you teach others about prayer, because you're going to go teach others about prayer after this weekend, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and the front side is non-spiritual, so those things are passing. Those things are maybe more ordinary, human, okay, how our relationships with other people. And the back, th- back side are those things specifically related to our relationship with God. Okay. So use this as much as it's helpful or not. Um, sometimes it can be helpful just to write stuff down so we are paying attention and noticing. And this leads us into how we're going to talk about that relationship, the dynamics of prayer. And this is true of every relationship as well. And we have these four moments that we're going to talk about. Acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. Okay. And I'm going to use the passage of the disciples on the road to Emmaus um, as we begin this morning and talk about this. Um, Because even though I'm extraordinarily trustworthy, um, Jesus is more so, so we're going to go with his his version <laughs> instead of relying on. And this is from Luke chapter 24. And I just invite you to listen and to pay attention to what you notice. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation which you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad, Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What sort of things? They said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. As they drew near to the village to which they were going, he appeared to be going further. But they said to him, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, and while he opened to us the scriptures? They rose at that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with them, who said, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Acknowledge that noticing, that paying attention, recognizing what's going on in our heart, thinking, feeling, and desiring. Relate to talk to the Lord about it. Tell Jesus everything. To receive. What does he have to say about it? How do you experience him? And to respond, to say yes to the invitation that wells up naturally in our heart. As we encounter Christ, we are compelled to respond. And this response feels very differently when we go as a response to the encounter with Christ and we go as a response to our own initiation, our own initiative. So we're going to walk through this passage. They were conversing about all the things that had occurred. Some translations say discussing, some say arguing about all the things that had occurred. What had just happened? 
Jesus, who they had been following around for maybe three years, and thought was the savior of the world, was died. He had died, was crucified. He's missing. What were they experiencing? What are what was going on in them? What did they think about that? Yeah. They were trying to process because what they thought it would be like was different and all that's going on it was chaotic and they're just trying to process what happened. Right. So confusion, chaos, what else? Distraught. What else? Grief. Loss. Loss. Disappointment. But also hope. What's that? Also hope. Hope. We want something to happen. Well, and the thing, pretty is risen. Pretty is risen. This mystery. What's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe fear. They were gonna. That they were in danger. They were gonna be killed. Confusion. But they had a, not such a clear awareness of their own hearts. So they were discussing and talking about it. Okay? And then Jesus enters in. He says, what sort of things are you talking about? Okay. And Jesus is really good, and he doesn't mind if sometimes we're a little sassy. <laughs> and say, are you the only one in the whole universe that doesn't know what we're talking about? What is everybody in the whole world talking about? It's the only thing anyone's talking about. Okay. And so he asks again, patiently, what sort of things? Tell me. And they tell him all the same things that they were just talking about. But telling Jesus and thinking about things in our head are two really different things. It makes all the difference in the world. We can't do anything about thoughts going around in our head. But when we take them to Christ, it makes all the difference. And that's the invitation. So we're aware of what's going on on our side of us so that we can bring it into relationship. What sort of things? So they share with Jesus. And then what does he do? He does the best Bible study ever. He opens scripture to them, and every reference and passage that refers to him, look, all the messianic prophecies being fulfilled in this one you have been following, this one you have been with. And what was going on in them at that time? We hear about it a little later in the passage, but what was going on as they were receiving and listening to him? Their hearts were burning, Their hearts were burning within them. They were receiving This confusion and doubt and fear was being replaced with a burning heart, eager 
And from initially sort of dismissing Jesus, who's this person who doesn't know what's going on, we don't really want to talk to him. That desire changes. Stay with us. And this is a key to noticing when we're receiving, okay? Sometimes there will be a voice from heaven. You might walk outside and your bush is burning. But most of the time, the Lord speaks to us in the quiet of our heart, in our thoughts, our feelings, and desires that are transformed, that are moved. And so noticing that, wow, instead of confusion and doubt and fear and anxiety, a sense of dread, I have hope and peace and trust. Even though maybe nothing has changed practically, something is different in my heart. And that's what they're experiencing. We don't want him to keep going. We want him to stay with us. Stay with us. That desire that comes out of an encounter with Christ. And they continue to receive. As they share this new, they go and relate it again. So notice there's not like a order, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond, start over. These things happen, okay? You don't have to finish it to start again. You don't have to go back to the beginning. But these things are dynamic. So it's, it's important to recognize that this isn't a method. You can pray, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond, A-R-R-R, in the Mass, in the Rosary, when you're praying your Lexio Divina in front of the Blessed Sacrament, throughout your whole day. Okay? Because these are the ways that just give us a name for how we're in relationship with the Lord. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They saw Jesus. Now, if you remember, this was already a desire of their heart. They were wondering. These women went to the tomb. Why did they go to the tomb? They wanted to see Jesus. And he wasn't there. And so that desire was fulfilled in a really spectacular way. They recognized him. They saw him. And then what did they do? They went on a 30-day silent retreat to discern what they should do next. <laughs> no. They set out at once and returned to Jerusalem. Okay. How many miles? Seven miles. Okay. Now, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, that seven miles was not like a walk in the park. Okay? Seven miles of rocks and hills and in the middle of the night. And I'm guessing they weren't complaining and miserable and thinking about how far it was. But that that was the fastest, easiest seven miles of their life. And this is the mark of a response through an encounter. This is what our mission should feel like. 
mean there's not going to be challenges. It doesn't mean we're not going to feel alone sometimes, that we're not going to encounter suffering. But there will be a mark of ease and simplicity if it's born out of that encounter and we are willing to stay with Jesus in it and trust him rather than ourselves. And this is the invitation. If you stay with me, I will give you clarity and energy and joy and simplicity and trust. And I will do the work for you. And he really, really desires this for all of us all the time. In everything. even when we're mowing the lawn. Okay. Several years ago, I was still living at our other house in Omaha, and um, it was springtime, and we needed to get the lawnmower out to mow the grass. It was getting long. And so I went out one night to go mow the grass, and the lawnmower wouldn't start. And... So I messed around with it, changed the oil, did a little few things here and there, filled it with gas. Still wouldn't start. Nothing. So I thought, well, it probably just needs a new spark plug. So after I went to work the next day, I stopped and got a spark plug, and I was totally convinced I'm going to go home, I'm going to change the spark plug. And the lawnmower is going to start right away. And I went home and I changed the spark plug, primed it, pulled the cord. Nothing happened at all. Nothing, not a sound. And I was um, kind of annoyed and a little surprised. And I realized at that moment that I had exhausted the entirety of my small engine knowledge. And if I were to take anything apart further... I would not be confident that I could put it back together. So I told Jesus that, you know Jesus, fixing the lawnmower is really your responsibility, not my responsibility. And I want you to do something about this. And I want you to make it clear, simple, and easy. And so I went to the chapel for a few minutes and said, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do about the lawnmower? And St. Ignatius encourages us when we're discerning between different options that we kind of imagine ourselves choosing an option and seeing um, how our experience of that is. If we feel a sense of light or, um, or dread or doom or something else. So, so, well, okay, I can go buy a new lawnmower. So I imagine myself going to the store and buying a lawnmower and bringing it home. I don't know if lawnmowers come in boxes or not, but it came in a box. And I took it to the backyard and set it down, and it burst into flames and fell into a big pile of pieces in my imagination. I was like, well, that's not going to help me at all. I don't want this. Okay, that is not what I'm going for. We're going to move on to the next option. 
could do this, what's the next option? Well, you could go try to keep working on it. And I felt kind of tense. I like doing stuff like this. Outside. Try to fix things and solve problems. But I knew that there was clearly no actual skill that I had left. And that it was just going to be more stressed. I felt tense and stressed. And okay, Jesus doesn't want me to be stressed. Next option. I could call somebody. I could call somebody. Who can I call? Oh my gosh. Okay, I should call somebody. Who should I call? You should call Mitchell Brazel. And the second I thought of it, it was the most genius idea I've ever had in my life. I was just convinced that this was going to be the answer to my prayer. Call Mitchell Brazel. And then I was like, I can't do that. That's the dumbest idea I've ever had in my life. Mitchell Brazel is the fiancé of a girl that I worked with at the Institute for Priestly Formation. And I had never met him. <laughs> I knew his name because she talked about him. And I didn't know if he knew anything about lawnmowers at all. He was a philosophy major. <laughs> I'm a philosophy major, and I know a little about lawnmowers, but, you know. So I was like, are you kidding me? Because I'm going to call him and say, Jesus told me to call you to fix my lawnmower. He's going to think I'm crazy. But I knew that this was actually what I was supposed to do. So I went upstairs and I called Kelsa, which was his fiance that I worked with. And I said, I have kind of a weird question to ask you, but I was wondering if Mitchell knows anything about lawnmowers. She said, well, hold on, he's right here. We're just about to eat dinner. And so she put him on the phone and I said, hi, Jesse, I worked with Kelsa. I was just wondering if you'd be interested in trying to fix our lawnmower. <laughs> he said, oh my gosh, that would be so fun. I haven't gotten to work on small engines for so long. I used to live on a farm and I got to do it all the time, and now I live in our house and I have a lawnmower. <laughs> well, how can you be? I'll be right over. We can eat later. So Kelsey didn't get stuck with that guy. They came over 10 minutes later. He comes into the backyard of the lawnmower sitting looks at it, primes it a couple times, pulls the cord, and the lawnmower starts immediately. <laughs> I was so mad. I was furious. Like, he looked at me like I was a crazy person. And I didn't even tell him Jesus told me to call him. <laughs> and I said, I, I pulled the cord. <laughs> I pulled the cord. I was so mad. So they walked it. He mowed half of our lawn, stopped it, started it, stopped it, started it. Totally fine. Lawnmower has no problems. And so I'm like, well, thanks. And then they left. I go to the chapel and have a little conversation with Jesus. Jesus, what, what is that all about? I pulled the cord. When did it start? Why did he have to come all the way over here? Why did and then I breathed a few seconds, give him a chance to talk about it. I want you to receive everything. I will provide for you in everything. I will give you hands to do everything. 
I want you to know that you can trust me to take care of you in everything. There is nothing in our day, little or big, that Jesus doesn't care about and doesn't want to respond to us overwhelmingly in ridiculous ways. If we just invite him into it, just offer and invite. To share our hearts with him means that he is responding. Without fail, every time, in the way we most need. Not necessarily the way we think we need, but in the way that we most need. We have a, an opportunity, an invitation to have a time of prayer. And we have a handout. Um, there's a little summary that I handed out um, that was in the handouts with ARRR, Acknowledge, Relate, Receive, Respond, um, that can give you go back to what all those things mean or use it as a resource. Um, so I encourage you to use that sometime. But um, for this time of prayer, there's there's a scripture passage um, that can be helpful. Um, or maybe you just know what you want to talk to Jesus about already. And that's totally fine. Um, use this in whatever way it's helpful. So feel free to go wherever you'd like to go. You can go to one of the chapels. You can go to sit in the chairs in your room. You can go... Um, spread out around the place. Um, but I really encourage you to utilize this prayer time. Um, we have about a half hour. Um, so we'll come back here at, at 10.15. Um, we'll come back here at 10.20, actually. I'll give you a good half hour. Um, come back here at 10.20 and we'll, we'll resume our conversations. Um, but I just invite you to, to practice. Acknowledge, relate, receive, respond, okay? And basically, we can be responsible for the two first points, okay? To know what's going on in our heart, acknowledge, and to tell Jesus about it. Then it's his work, okay? And it's, it's on him. We do what we can do. We offer to him. And then we wait and listen, okay? Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.